0: just remember there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. In the culture wars, there are no winners, just podcasters. Only a few are willing to risk their lives in the face of some of the dumbest ideas to have ever captured human civilization. Every week, we, Megan Daum and Sarah Hader, humbly accept this mission in order to bring you conversations that are equal parts stunning, brave, and unhinged. Sarah, welcome back.
1: So nice to be here, Megan. It's been a while. Weeks. I know.
0: It's been literal weeks, if not more. More longer. time, I think.
1: It's been a it's been some time since we've been Yeah, doing this. It's nice.
0: It's nice to be back. Yeah. You're all summery. It's summer there.
1: It's summer there. It's not it's not
0: summer where you are. It was summer yesterday. Okay. But it was it's been very cold here. Anyway, mm. we should definitely start we should definitely start each episode by talking about the weather. Uh just as a way of getting warmed up. What do you think of our new intro? You think people I like, like it.
1: it? Well, I don't know if people like it, but I like it. Yeah. I think it yeah. sets the stage like it's nice and dramatic which is just like us
0: totally it's like a movie trailer yeah so you can say in a world where yeah people mm-hmm. were not liking yourself hating millennial yeah uh, people phrase. were liking it
1: you know what i wasn't liking it so no, i get it because i don't i don't hate myself i just hate them you know and it wasn't well, you hate properly. millennials
0: you were you weren't speaking for yourself you were speaking right, for your exactly. group. yeah 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 the group identity so Um,
1: yeah and now it turns out i'm also what a self-hating brown sidekick
0: yeah you're my uh my little brown friend my little brown sidekick you know that reference no no
1: No. (laughs) sounds the original
0: the original pink panther from the original pink panther what is the original
1: pink panther like the cartoon sellers okay
0: peter sellers (laughs) Had, I don't think they had this in the remake. So okay. the brilliant original Pink Panthers with P- Peter Sellers, he had this, uh, this sort of, um, a- assistant, this sort of, uh, um, ballot, uh, named, uh, Kato, Kato Fong, who was this Chinese guy played by Bert Kwok, who recently passed away. And uh, you know, Inspector Clouseau, he would have this fake French accent, and he would say, "Oh, my little yellow friend." But then Cato <laughs> would always come swinging through, and you know, the, the side of the building would—they they would be such extreme fights between the two of them that actually, like, the entire the, the ceiling would cave in, and it, it was it was quite remarkable. I, I think they they omitted that part from the Steve Martin remakes.
1: Okay, I don't think I yeah. watched any of those. All I know from the about the Pink Panther is the cartoon of well, a little yeah. Pink Panther. Yeah, but that's right.
0: It. Well that was yeah, so that was later. But uh same Henry Mancini music. But the Pink Panther original films with Peter Sellers are actually one of some of the funniest stuff I remember ever seeing. But I have a very immature sense of humor, unlike you.
1: Yeah, I'm extremely sophisticated. sophisticated. I just don't have a sense of humor, and that's what it is.
0: That's not true. Um, Okay.
1: That's not true. So uh, So, so we had a really fun time getting yelled at by um, two women who do that professionally, Zyra Rao and Regina Jackson. mm -hmm. Um, It was really – well, one, we couldn't believe that we got the (laughs) – we, we, we even got them to say yes. I think people yes. don't know that. Cause it was just like very, <laughs> it was very random and unexpected. Uh, I can't believe, I can't believe that it, that it happened. Megan, how did you do it?
0: how did I do it? Yeah. It's my, um, my, my magical booking powers, right? So Sarah Rao and Regina Jackson, in case anybody missed that episode are the entrepreneurial force behind, uh, race to dinner, which is an outfit that, um, they are. Syra is a South Asian and Regina's black woman, and they go to white women's dinner parties, uh, and those white women pay them thousands of dollars so Syra and Regina can interrogate them about their racism. Uh, and they also have a book called uh, "White Women," I believe, and has a, a white tear on the front. So uh, they, I have to say that they are in, in the sort of uh, ecosystem of race. Uh, I'm not going to say grifters. I'm going to say race educators mm-hmm. out there, mm-hmm. public educated, pub, public, diversity, Inc. Educators. The diversity,
1: uh, industrial, you know, industrial complex. complex. Yeah.
0: Yes. They, um, they're perhaps not the, the highest regarded. They're not the most in demand. So when their book came out, I thought, Oh, I, they're not getting a ton of media. I, I wonder if they would come on our, come on our podcast. I assumed they would not, that I emailed the, the book publicist and she said, Oh, okay, sure. And, uh, we booked it and we booked it pretty far in advance, at mm-hmm. least a month mm-hmm. more, I think. Yeah. And we were pretty sure they would like cancel at the last minute. But I was they sure
1: that they would, because at some point you Google them, right? Like you Google what's going on, like even maybe like a week before that's what I was thinking is that they would recognize a week before, Oh, I have this right. interview
0: and I'm going to Google them. And, and they just never did it. They never did the work. Yeah, they and, didn't but you have to give them credit. So yeah, so Regina, they they zoomed in. We had massive technical problems, my fault. But uh yeah, they they didn't know who we were. Um I don't and think then, they knew we were on video. Like they didn't even seem to re- realize that because they were
1: surprised when they hopped in. I remember they they were surprised when we hopped in and we were both on video and we're like, Oh, is this video? <laughs> like, yeah. I told
0: the publicist many times. I told yeah, her yeah, several yeah, times. This is yeah. yeah. our that first was, time again, doing it.
1: Yeah. Um. somebody didn't do the work I, right. I think do you think that a white woman got yelled at or fired for this the
0: publicist yeah definitely not fired I, you know I actually don't know that's the thing is um I'm not sure that the guests were all that phased by what happened so basically uh we started off nice and and uh you you, you know you you Pointed out a couple things and then it kind of devolved. And they called you, they they Googled us in the middle of it finally. Um, with their, they got one of, got her phone out and started looking you up, I think. Yeah. And discovered that you were an ex Muslim in quotes.
1: Yeah.
0: I like that. She did
1: like scare quotes for that. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, Uh,
0: and that you were hard, right. And then she said that you were my sidekick. uh That's how we got, that's, that was, why we refer to you as my little my little brown sidekick
1: we should change beginnings. my my like bio do you think maybe on the on the we have a i mean we have a site now we can
0: yeah
1: it can say with megan down and a little brown sidekick mm-hmm. sarah hater i think that would
0: you're kind of like tattoo on, on fantasy island
1: Oh and my I'm gosh, Mr. all these Roar. references. Like, I feel like you're doing it on purpose.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> really racist. Everything <laughs> that I've said so far that you haven't gotten is incredibly racist. Um, yeah, so I, you know, it was interesting though. People thought that we were, people were so stressed out by this interview. Mm-hmm. The the listeners, mm-hmm. it was like they were having a really hard time mm-hmm. listening to it.
1: Yeah, people were telling me they were quitting and like they're, you know, 10, 10 minutes and 15 minutes and they can't handle it. I actually thought it was tame. Me too. I was expecting something. I I was expecting more insults. I was expecting them to walk out. I was, I I thought it actually went, you know, fairly smoothly. And uh, it wasn't as bad as I expected on any level, actually. I, I thought maybe they would be bored. I thought people would be like anticipating something exciting. And then they, they, they were, they were about to get just like a almost normal conversation.
0: I know it really speaks to the degree to which people expect fireworks no, or, yeah. or not actually like what counts for fireworks and yeah. what counts for controversial now. Yeah. It's pretty I, tame.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like th- in a way they didn't really, neither of us destroyed the other, you know what I mean? I mean, we titled it that we got our inner Karens got destroyed. That was, I think the title of the podcast, but yeah fundamentally they held their own you know they represented their opinion and they did not back down and we represented ours and didn't back down that was sort of just like a normal thing normal kind of adult clash I don't know how productive it was but it didn't feel like a fight to me except for the the points during which Syra insulted me and then insulted you
0: yeah implied you well, were very uh
1: being very defensive
0: she said uh, that you were talking a lot Yeah. at one point. She said, you've talked a lot, Sarah. Yeah. It's time for us to talk. Yeah. yeah. They didn't like it that they were the guests and we were interrupting them. Yeah. Although I thought could I, would, I could get away with it though, because
1: I'm a brown woman, you know?
0: Yeah. I know you can interrupt anybody. But you Except can't Regina. interrupt Regina.
1: I can't. And I don't think I did.
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> I might have. I mean, that was so, yeah, there was a moment where Regina because she says in the book that nothing has changed for black people in 400 years. So since slavery, nothing has changed. And, uh, I said, well, is that hyperbole? Is that just some kind of stylistic choice in the book that, you you know, you you sort of use this kind of rhetorical style. And she said, no, it's literally true that the, the, um, the prison system and the school to prison pipeline, the carceral system is tantamount equivalent to lynching and slavery. And I I don't know what to say. I I said, it's not. And she said, it is. And I said, it's not. And she said, it
1: is.
0: (laughs) And so uh, we did push back on that one. Well, I mean, I just, I feel
1: like it's one of those things that I nearly said this during the interview. I just think it's so insulting to the memories of people who have actually gone through harder times to say that, you know, a black woman who is getting paid to go into white women's homes to yell at them is in the same is living in the same kind of environment as slaves you know or Jim Crow South I just think it's just such a it's such a narcissistic way and of looking at the world that you know I am a victim and I'm a victim in this you know my victimization is equivalent to the victimization of of people who have in a very objective sense, been, yeah. you know, persecuted and we're le- not legally equally under the law, you know, it's just, yeah, it well, feels absurd to me and narcissistic, honestly. Um, I didn't yeah. want to call her a narcissist to her face. I didn't want to, you know, I, <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know how to say this because it's kind of an awkward thing to say to somebody, but even, you know, from an, from an, I'm a, I'm a professional activist or, you know, have been up until now. And I, you know, there's ex-Muslims and how what ex-Muslims go through in the West, and there's what ex-Muslims go through in Muslim-majority countries where they are, where it is legally, uh, apostasy is literally a crime punishable by death. It would be outrageous for me to say that what I go through is similar to what they go through. It would just be so selfish and, you know, obscene, really, um... And it's interesting to me that that the same kind of claim keeps getting made in different ways by anti-Black or, or um, anti-racist activists and isn't really challenged by by many people.
0: Yeah, it's just part of this whole sort of baseline vernacular of hyperbole. Can mm-hmm. we live in this? I mean, the fact that we we called our episode Regina and Syrah Destroy yeah, in yeah. all caps our yeah. inner Karens. And obviously, that's a play on that trope that you see with the YouTube videos and like the, the clips get names like that because the algorithm has shown that that's what gets more clicks and catches more eyeballs. And unfortunately, you do have to sort of play that game. But that I just feel like we're in this world where every single thing is turned up to 11, every single point no matter how simplistic or even wrong, just gets hammered home and people don't, don't question it. And mm. and it's like the combination of, of hyperbole as, as the baseline setting and postmodernism, right? Which has basically said, if you have an idea, if you think something, therefore it's true, anything can be kind of, you know, if, if you sort of manifest some concept in your mind, it's just as valid as something that is a material fact. I I think that's what what we run into there. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So
1: it's hard for me to, because from from an activist point of view, you know, if you are a quote unquote true activist, you know, you're trying to make changes in the material world. You know what I mean? There is something that is unjust and you are trying to change that reality, not the way people feel about it, but like what, what, what it actually is, Um, and you have realistic goals. I think we touched on that at the end of the conversation where I was, you know, just alarmed by their rhetoric, but then at the same time, not satisfied with their solution, which is just, you know, where people are dying every day, you know, and it is nothing has changed in slavery. And our solution is dinner's with white women i mean it just feels or like
0: <laughs> call mean, your congressmen,
1: <laughs> right yeah if the problem is as dire as they claim that it is it this solution just isn't sufficient at all right and beyond what sire and regina do this can be applied to all kinds of online activists who are just like hashtagging and you know yeah. you know tweeting a lot and it's like if if things are as bad as you say they are you really have to take some real steps in the real world and you know this solution is not sufficient so what are you doing about it
0: yeah and i was a little confused too because i think i asked her at one point what what do you want us to do when you yeah. see something happening on the street when you see a black person being harassed by a police officer i guess i mean unfortunately I, most of when i see black people being harassed on the street it's usually by other black people but okay and then if a, can you imagine if a white person were to step in that situation. Like, no, (laughs) but I think her logic was, then you should like step in and say something. And then I asked her like, is that, are you want us to like physically step in and be like, Hey, everybody, look what's happening. Take out your phone and film it. I suppose that plenty of people are rising to that occasion. Um, but then she sort of just said like, I don't know, vote a certain way and stand up, go to, go to protests, go to rallies. I mean, look, I don't think it's really fair to put all of this on them. I I think that they're the the sort of the contract that Syra and Regina are making with the public isn't so much we're going to solve this, but that we are we are offering this, I'm not going to call it a service, but this experience to you. (laughs) And if you would like to buy it, you will have this kind of experience. I think like I, don't, I mean, that's, they,
1: that's a very charitable perspective that's charitable, because they Kim, do sell it charitable. as you are helping you you are helping the cause by putting yourself through this. That's what they're selling the white women who who buy these who who take part in these dinners. Like, in fixing yourself, in making yourself less racist, you will you know have this indirect effect on society, and you will make society less racist and help take care of this problem. I think that's their that's their solution. That's their model. But it's interesting to me that they can't point to, you know, something practical, something clear on the ground that would help make a difference. Um, it, and I think it speaks to the, a uh, strength of the initial claims that they're actually making. So a lot of people got mad at us because we didn't push back on the, uh, I think, I think it was Regina who said that, uh, black people are just getting killed by police officers all the time. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, when the episode came out were upset with us because they felt that we should have pushed back on that. Um, And we thought about it. I thought about it.
0: Oh, I thought about (laughs) it. I think we, if there were thought bubbles above each of our heads, I think they would be pretty similar. So the calculation there is do I derail the conversation right now? Yeah. Like what? 20 minutes into it. Yeah. And also, do I have the statistics in front of me? I mean, the problem with statistics about police shootings is that there are several different versions. Mm -hmm. There's there's gradations within them. There's different variables. And I I mean, what do you think if if we had like suddenly somehow hit them with a bunch of statistics about police shootings? What do you how do you think they would have responded
1: very badly. I don't think they would have I think they would have hung up.
0: That's you know, what I think I, too. I think they
1: would have hung up because it it seems to me that that um that specific thing is such a fundamental cornerstone of their belief system that if you attack it directly, they're going to, you know, they're not going to engage with the rest of it at all and they're going to just simply leave the conversation because they do know that once that is you know, uh put under scrutiny, um you know, if, if you really start to talk about the reality on the ground and maybe it is not what they say it is and everything else kind of collapses because that's a necessary, that's a necessary foundation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of when trans activists say trans people are being murdered at this alarming rate. Yeah. And if you were to say, well, actually it's, it's almost always trans, you know, trans women of color who are sex workers who are being murdered by customers other people involved in the sex industry
1: and it's not clear that they're being murdered because they're trans they're you know it
0: it, because sex workers are murdered at very high rates period right i mean they're probably murdered at a higher rate than a non-trans sex worker because like if they have a a john or whatever you call them that who discovers that they're trans they could be murdered in that situation. Apparently in Brazil, there's a very, very high murder rate of black trans women uh, involved in the sex industry. And so the the statistics from Brazil kind of overwhelm all of the statistics. Anyway, but my point is that once you start to make that argument, it completely shuts down the conversation. And, And in fact, like whether it's police shootings or trans murders it's that's such a cudgel that it's interpreted as violence. Even citing the statistics is a form of hate speech.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. You can't, you can't actually, this is a claim that you can't reject. It seems like it should be very good news, you know, to, to black people or to, you know, trans people to hear that actually things are not that bad. Um, Actually, they're not highly likely to be murdered on the streets um this should be a cause for celebration but we know that with uh with believers it's 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 actually something that will destroy them emotionally because they want to believe in uh the specific kind of reality in the specific sense of um power dynamic these specific power dynamics and uh questioning this questioning this bit would yeah, you're, I, think, I think we were right to feel that it would derail the conversation. I think we were right to feel like they would hung, hang up. Um, so part of what we were doing there was trying to balance between taking them on directly and not
0: pissing them off so
1: much that they would leave.
0: Exactly, and- exactly. I mean, if it had been later in the conversation, maybe we could have taken that chance. Um, like yeah. another moment where I know you, you and I each decided not to push back was the um, Cyrus claim that that kids were only learning about pilgrims and such at, at Thanksgiving. There was no acknowledgement of the massacre of uh, native peoples around Thanksgiving. It's, it was like she was living in the 1980s.
1: Still. Yeah. It's very, I don't know. I mean, and even very there was some comment about we don't see people of color on TV everybody watches Seinfeld <sighs> i was like seinfeld right. i ne- i don't watch seinfeld i've never yeah. watched seinfeld you know i was watching you know, uh, Living Single and, uh, you know, Sister, Sister and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Where was she? Well, those shows <laughs> where are probably white supremacists. Right? Those, those are probably. Those shows yeah. are on. What was she talking about? Like, I remember those shows. I watched those shows. I can sing the theme songs like right now because I'm so familiar with, with, um, and, and, and yet, we're all watching Seinfeld. You are watching Seinfeld. You were watching Seinfeld. People well also, you knew
0: were watching Seinfeld. I think we need to get her a Netflix subscription. Yeah, maybe. I don't know because uh, she's she's definitely watching watching oh, syndicated reruns. Um, yeah, so that was that was another moment. I did challenge her on the claim that only white women gossiped about other women. Oh yeah, that was backs. a really funny one. Like. <sighs> Women of color don't gossip? What it, what it? Well, you tell me, Sarah. What? Do your friends
1: are you about such things? All people gossip and all like like all
0: people gossip. Women gossip more than men, I think. That's like saying, on average. That's and that's like saying what? all all blood runs red. Yeah. That's a all people gossip? Are you sure? It's, it's what I, I don't even know. You know,
1: it it feels to me that they are they must be surrounded in a very, you know, very isolated bubble to, that, that no one has ever said to them, wait a minute, the black women I know gossip a lot. <laughs> like, and they enjoy it, they revel in it. Um, and you're telling me this doesn't, this isn't real or it's some, something else, some other form of gossip? I think Regina said she didn't
0: have friends like that. Well, I don't know. Like it's so boring. Well, <laughs> I, but I you got to gossip like a little bit. Yeah. But there's gossip and then there's analysis. Don't you talk about your friends? Like, you know, it's sort of like you kind of like analyze them with somebody else. I don't, the gossip not, not to as, me. Not as
1: much as most people, because I don't have, my friends are not like that. My friends are not like, it's. it's not about that. They're noble. It's that they're like, a little Aspergery, so they're not even gonna. You're not even gonna like understand population they're, genetics. <laughs> but they're not gonna. It's not even gonna be satisfying because you, they're not gonna, you know, psychoanalyze somebody in a in an interesting way. Um, really?
0: Yeah. Are they not getting themselves into trouble by doing stupid things in the world, like going on, getting in dumb relationships and stuff like that? I,
1: I'm, I have boring friends. I think uh. I just have like. Boring so I, friends. who just have like relationships they have been in for a long time, and then some babies. Uh, it's not exciting. About Megan, you babies. have a totally different life than me. You're in New York. Yeah. You're you're with you know
0: artists, and they're living oh, yeah. very different kinds of There's lives. There's nothing to say that you know what you should really start gossiping about other people's babies. Oh yeah. You like? Can you mm. believe what that baby said to that other baby? Yeah. That baby thinks it's all that. Needs that baby to...
1: literally makes no sense.
0: Yeah. No, like up. that baby like thinks she's above everybody else but she'll have her come down she talks big game <laughs> she's just a baby in the end well <laughs> yeah so there was that moment and but i do i understand that people were frustrated that we didn't like pull out the uh police shooting statistics and i think it might be worth getting somebody in there to talk about them because we could even i know we were trying to pull some up before we got on this call but there are so many different yeah i think i think this
1: would be worth its own like podcast at some point where we Mm -hmm. have an expert on to discuss this because there are so many nuances that are really interesting um, and the implications for society are pretty interesting too Um, yeah i mean fundamentally we are just the instinct is to presume that anytime you see uh, differences in outcomes, that there is only one reason for it. And that reason is prejudice. That reason is discrimination. It's that Kendi esque view of the world that has interestingly absorbed, you know, it, it's just, it's just, it's gone just completely mainstream. I thought when Ibrahim Kendi showed up on the map, I thought this guy is not very bright. He's not making. Clear arguments. He's not that great of a writer. Uh, he's not that articulate of a speaker. He's that's not racist, going to take Sarah. off. That's what
0: I. That's calling what I thought. a black person articulate. Okay. or not articulate is, is racist. are not okay. Um, no, you're no, no, no. It's
1: it's racist to call them articulate. It's not racist <laughs> to call
0: them inarticulate. No, I think it's racist to call them inarticulate because you're saying that black uh, people okay. are inarticulate. There's okay. no. You should just not. Use the word articulate in the I'm positive agnostic. or negative. Within okay. 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 I take that back. 40 mile radius at any person just, of um, color. Let's you pretend like we didn't do that. are very articulate, but we would ex- expect no less, <laughs> even though you're not even a native English speaker.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just didn't think that he would do as well as he did. You know, he didn't, he wasn't like Ta-Nehisi Coates, um, who who really had a clear talent and skill for, you know creating of kind of a, almost a poetic for writing you know, for, for yes. writing right yeah. but it was it was it was beautifully done his 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 writing and i i commend him for that and i can see the appeal of somebody like him uh but ibrahim Kennedy did not strike me as the same kind of person as the same kind of quality well he, you has, know, he has
0: dreadlocks he,
1: yeah. And he get, won a
0: MacArthur Genius Award. Did he really? No, he didn't. Absolutely. Yes. No, everybody he didn't. did. No, I even Penny he did. didn't. No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. We're going to look it up. See, this is what? We're going to look it up. Okay. Um, and also, his no, name. He didn't. Wait, hang on. Hang on. Do you know how many times my, I've typed into my Google? I feel like the Google just auto fills um, MacArthur Genius because I'm constantly looking, looking up, up who is who, who won uh, MacArthur um uh, macarthur yeah he's two hundred two twenty twenty one 2021 macarthur no. fellow ibram kendi totally won a macarthur in 2021 so he is therefore a genius setting also but won coats but the
1: macarthur people they have been like awarding like it, i mean it has meant nothing to the people that i know like who, who care about what's going on intellectually and who are the real movers and shakers in the world. I don't think they, I don't think they actually
0: mean it used anything to. anymore. Okay. Has it Maybe. ever meant has it anything ever, to you? Right? Well, the, I'm mean, trying but, to,
1: but I think well, it, in the past, it did mean something and now it means nothing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember like, did Susan Sontag ever get one? I remember reading like she was very, I don't know. I guess she did. You it's know, like, so it's many like the people... Obama
1: up Nobel Peace Prize, uh, you know what I mean? Like that's what that's what the that's, MacArthur it's, it's just, Genius Grant it's, is. It's
0: right. It's symbolic. Yeah. The Obama Nobel thing really pissed me off. I thought he should have returned it. I thought the yeah. absolute classiest move he could have made was to say, "No, I don't deserve this yet. Like, yeah. thank you, but no." That would have been.
1: It was so. Yeah, that was road. cringe. That was cringe. But that Ugh. made me think less of that committee. You know, it just made me. Yep. It devalued, like all the other winners and their accomplishments.
0: Did Greta Thunberg get the Nobel yet? Oh, no,
1: don't say. Just she don't, stop looking these things up. Sorry. it's so upsetting.
0: Beep. I'm gonna bleep her.
1: All of them, um, you know, the meritocracy—it's a—it's a lie. There's I know there's no re- oh, I, I, I so, do feel it's so, that way now. It's
0: so frustrating. But um, wait, how do we get on on him? But but yeah, well he had okay, well yeah, so he had a piece in the Atlantic. A couple of days ago or a couple of weeks ago a couple weeks ago so we haven't recorded in a while but it, it, it so th- this came so out a so much has happened so much has happened even x candy has been writing pieces in the atlantic there have been weather disasters there have been mass shootings this is what happens when we uh when we're not paying attention and we're yeah, not and we didn't
1: even get to recording. comment on any of that some of those were like very juicy stories but i feel like they've just
0: they're not interesting to
1: people anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This was a piece in the, in the Atlantic. March
1: 26th. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's called the crisis of the intellectuals. <laughs> Traditional notions of the intellectual were never meant to include people who looks like me or he had a background like mine. And that kind of sums it up, but that's always his take. You know what I mean? That's always the take of any anti-racist. Syrah Rao and Regina Jackson would say something similar, you know, that what it, They actually did publish a piece, didn't they, about how TV wasn't supposed to include people who look like us or something like that. Um, <laughs> like there, there's always there's always this kind of whine, a very long whine yeah. about I'm not being included enough. People who look like me aren't being included enough.
0: Well, OK, so but I mean, Kendi, he he opens the piece by talking about how hard it was to write how to be an anti-racist. He says in 2017, I was trying to write how to be an anti-racist. Words came onto the page slower than ever. On some days, no words came at all. Clearly I was in crisis. Well, that you could call that being in crisis or you could call that writing a book. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of how that goes. And he says, I don't believe in writer's block. When words aren't flowing onto the page, I know why. I haven't researched enough, organized the material enough, thought enough to exhume clarity, meticulously outline my thoughts enough. I haven't prepared myself to write. Um, but no matter how much I prepared, I struggled to convey my research. So basically he he goes on, to say that he has a hard time, he struggled over what it means to be an intellectual because um, he, his argument is that being an intellectual or public intellectual anyway is uh, sort of counterindicated uh, with being a, an activist. That you can't have a sort of ideological viewpoint and be an intellectual. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a very strange framing in my view.
1: I actually agree with that. Like I agree okay. with that part of it. I think that that's true. Um, I just think that there's no problem with it.
0: <laughs> oh, well I'm not saying, okay. So actually <laughs> you know I think, think, I think he's saying, okay, I think like objectively you are, you are correct probably like to be completely intellectually honest. If you're going to be a public intellectual, you should be, well, are you saying you should be politically neutral or you just shouldn't like lead with your ideology? I
1: think that there is something about being an activist. um, The fundamental, I guess, functions of activists, uh, their viewpoint on the world is in, it it just, it cannot be held at the same time as you're actually pursuing intellectual pursuits honestly. So you can be a dishonest intellectual and also an activist. Um, You can be a uh, an honest intellectual and an ineffective activist but you have to choose <laughs> you you're going to be bad at one of the two things um to some degree if you are going to take them on together um i actually wrote a piece on this
0: on mm. my Substack way back well nobody read
1: it Sarah, nobody because read you're it. a person of color nobody read take it. you
0: seriously um
1: Okay, here it is. So I, I wrote it on May six. Um, it's titled "Uneffective Activism and Intellectual Honesty," and the whole thing is basically about how there is a, a fundamental disconnect between somebody who uses language to think and discover truth, and those who use it as a means to power. You know, to change something materially in the world. Um, and I think that it, it it's important to recognize that. The goals of the two games are different. Uh, what they're willing to do to get there is is, is different. And uh, we should expect that intellectuals who are too activist-y are probably dishonest um, or not very good at being intellectuals. And we should also presume the opposite as well, which is that a, an activist uh, who is extremely intellectually honest is probably not going to be as effective as an active activist who <laughs> no, people true. don't like that so people don't like that part people want to hear no you can be extremely you know you can be just a, just a perfectly honest uh person you can you know no, taking no shortcuts and thinking about being open-minded all the time and you can also be an effective activist People want both those things to be true. I wanted those things to be true for a very long time. I was an activist who is, who has a, you know, a a strong intellectual bent, but it, my drive to be intellectually honest did make me a worse activist. It made me a less effective activist. I guess it made me less effective at achieving the goals.
0: Okay. So I, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, maybe it has to do with how we define intellectual. I mean, it's such a loaded and pretentious word. I don't, I don't, I'm always a little bit flummoxed as to how to define intellectual. I mean, Kendi writes, those who advance anti-racist, anti-sexist, anti-classist, anti-classist, and anti-homophobic ideas have historically been framed as anti-intellectual. So I think he's saying a version of what you just said, but he's He's saying it's a problem. He's he's
1: sort of saying that it's a problem that I I think if you go out into the world with a powerful view about the way things should be, you are also you also necessarily have an idea about the way things are. And you're not willing to think differently about it. You're not willing to critically examine Your worldview. And you should be, I mean, this is kind of what we were running into with Syrah and Regina, where we were unwilling, you know, nervous about disrupting that, you know, fundamental, you know, uh, idea that they held, that they based their activism on. But you have to be willing to do that as an intellectual. You have to be willing to investigate the very foundations of what you believe and why you believe it. And you should be investigating them all the time. Uh, And activists. Don't do that. Activists can't do that. You know, you you when you're an activist, you 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 the the world is filled with scarcity. You know, there's just there's only so much time. There's only so many so much money, and you need to get the you need to get people to pay attention to you to pay attention. To this is one problem, and do something about it. Right, like you're action oriented, so you cannot be all the time thinking. You know, revisiting fundamental questions about the universe about you know uh, re-reexamining your values over and over again which is what what an intellectual should be doing but you can't do that as an activist that's not yeah, that's well, not feasible
0: right. if you're an activist you're looking for confirmation bias all the time
1: of course there are the, the, you shouldn't be an activist that's you know blinding yourself and and trying not to see the world as it is obviously those are i think uh not just you know bad bad activists but bad people um because they can be, they can be creating a lot, of, a lot of harm in in the universe without recognizing that that's what they're doing. So I'm not saying that activists should blind themselves, um, that they should not pay attention to anything. That should be, they should be anti-intellectual. I just think that there's a different there's a different mindset um, to the activist, and it is born out of necessity based on what based on their job based on their function. Um, and yeah. we can't expect them to, you know, like, it's like the same thing about like politicians, like we can't expect a politician to be somebody who is purely, you know, ideologically um, uh, uh, principled in the way that, you know, uh, some extremist politicians are like Bernie Sanders, you know, like you can't have somebody who's trying to connect a broad coalition together um, to be an, you know, an, an extremist who is unwilling to bend to appease one base or another base. That's just not, that's just not something you can do as a politician. Um, And to ask that of a politician is basically to ask them to be ineffective politicians, to ask them to fail and lose.
0: I guess the question is, okay, but it seems to me like activist and intellectual both exist on a spectrum. Like you can be an intellectual, you can be a writer who puts forth ideas that instigate some kind of change or invite people to rethink things in such a way that change could occur. Mm-hmm. I mean, he but just Kendi seems to be suggesting that no, nobody, especially no person of color or marginalized person who ever like, you know, Put forth intellectual ideas that had a, 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 a point of view was taken seriously. I mean, that's just patently wrong. I mean, there's like W. B. Du Bois and James Baldwin and Frederick Douglass. He, I mean, he's it goes presuming on and on that and on. all people
1: of that people of color are necessarily anti-racist activists. Like he's he's presuming this. I mean, he he uses these words like sort of interchangeably. He talks about people who look like me, and then he'll also use say anti-racist, like anti-racists, yeah, you know? I get, right. Which is not, it, that's sort of a, a a trick that he plays because it's not the case that all brown people or, you know, it, people who look like him are necessarily rejected from the intellectual space as, as non-serious thinkers. It's people who, who approach things from an activist lens, which is what he's doing. Yeah. I mean,
0: also, like, who do you, like, who do you perceive as an intellectual? Like when you were in college, say, and you started to think about the concept of public intellectual, who came to mind?
1: Hmm. I mean, I was very much into the new atheist space. So I would have said somebody like Christopher Hitchens was, you know, a popular intel. what I would consider a popular intellectual. I also, I mean, I read Chomsky. <laughs> um, so he was an intellectual, um, in my view, you don't think you, he's an
0: activist. You don't think, I mean, Chomsky. I mean, this, now you know, I would real... consider
1: him to be, to be activisty, Um, but I think you're right that there is a spectrum and you can, you can have little bits of both, but the more activist you become, the more entrenched you get into any one perspective, the more people disrespect you as a, an intellectual or they should anyway. And I, I, I think that's the way it should be. I think, you really should lose intellectual points uh if you have some sacred cows.
0: Right. And what about all these quote unquote like you know, independent media intellectuals, podcast space, content creator yeah. intellectuals, like the Jordan Peterson's right. and the yeah, Eric I mean, Einstein's.
1: So and- it's not it's not the case that having a perspective on the way things are isn't is the problem. That's not the problem. The problem is the un- unwillingness to change it, you know, the the unwillingness to investigate it obviously we we all have perspectives on the way the world is. We all have values. We all have, uh, you know, like causes to one degree or another that we are furthering. Um, but that, that, that alone is not a problem. A problem would be I'm unwilling to, I'm unwilling to debate with people who think differently than me. I'm unwilling to consider that I might be wrong. I'm unwilling to reevaluate my stances. I'm unwilling to, uh, you know, consider that the world may not be the way that I see it.
0: Right. How do you differentiate public intellectual with public thinker?
1: I don't use the word public intellectual. I actually say thinker because I think okay. that's better. What yeah, do you public think?
0: Intellect- no, it's a joke. Well, because I always, I mean, my understanding of an intellectual public or private public or non-public is that it's someone with an incredible breadth and depth of knowledge, Mm. like someone who has read Foucault Mm. and Mm. Horace and Ovid and the classics and, Mm. you know, understands Roman history and Greek mythology and, uh, you know, the surrealist uh, art movement, like, you know, a a serious scholar of, of, of culture, of, of the history of sort of, You know, I mean, somebody who is deeply, deeply curious about many, many aspects of of political and creative and and, you know, just kind of psychosocial life. I mean, Susan Sontag was somebody like that. I mean, you know, say what you will about her, but she was just insatiably curious about many, many things. And uh, so so she was an activist. Okay, yeah. I mean she became an I mean she was an activist. She you know, a lot about you know the war in Yugoslavia, like that, you know, that era. But she wasn't out um you know, she wasn't out marching and holding signs. I don't know. I feel like the word, like all words, the word intellectual has just been diluted and you know, drained of, of meaning. I mean, you know, I I I actually I, I would hazard to say that Jordan Peterson actually is an intellectual mm. by my, by my definition. Mm. Um, he certainly has blind spots as, as do every, as does everyone. What
1: is a mere thinker in your perspective? From, well, from, yeah, like, I how, don't how know. You, I mean, I actually don't,
0: I mean, do you, okay. Do you you, can, you don't use the word intellectual, but what do you consider yourself?
1: I don't like it, the word intellectual because it's loaded. You know what I mean? Like right. it's, well, it, there's, yeah. a, there's a, there's uh, a grandiosity to it that I don't like. Because I think that it, it adds in the le- the level of um, you know social status that I think corrupts thinking, like good thinking.
0: Well, you would get high on your own supply, for right. Sure, right? And of course, it, they, all, they yeah. all
1: do, you know, to some they all do, right? Right, um, to some degree. Uh, and I think that people who can stay away from that are the people who just you know they they're, they think about thinking as. Uh, any kind of work really, you know, not grander than the, than any other kind of work. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I mean, I don't, I certainly don't consider myself an intellectual because I'm not educated enough. In
1: okay. So, so an intellectual a is a thinker <laughs> with a, so with a, with a deep liberal arts education.
0: Well, or actually, education. okay. That's interesting. I mean, do you even need to be, can you think of a STEMI intellectual? Yeah. I'm trying to think, <laughs> I mean, I guess there are those like mathematicians and physicists who are able to like
1: they're intelligent talk, and talk they're brilliant. about their work
0: in a way that's it's accessible well i don't think you need to be brilliant to be an intellectual can you be just a sort of uh you know a middling mm. uh, i i don't know like yeah. what is a genius see what's brilliant
1: the brilliant scientists that i can i'm thinking of in my own head i mean i would not think of any of them as intell- intellectuals although obviously they're like geniuses, but you're right that there's something about the intellectual that also has connotations of a cultural knowledge and an engagement with liberal ideas. But by that, I mean like liberal as in a liberal education, yeah, like- (laughs) Right,
0: but I also think you have to bring something new to it. Like one of the requirements be, you have a a very wide body of knowledge, Uh um, but you're also- offering something new in terms of your own insights because mm-hmm. there are a lot of people that just consume information mm-hmm. that love to go to the library and love to learn about everything and read everything but they just they're sort of encyclopedic mm-hmm. they're not they're synthesized like
1: intellectuals. and intellectual synthesizes yes. the 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 broad uh you know observations that they are you know uh collecting in an, in a unique way
0: yeah yeah so, I would see myself as an observer. Mm. I like to see myself as like a um this kind of a curious observer mm. and maybe a little and I do it out loud like I'm kind of a I don't, I mean, a public thinker is also completely douchey. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's
1: that douchey. I don't think it's, I don't public think thinker, thinker, thinker is not as douchey as intellectual. That's for sure. Public
0: thinker, but it sounds a little bit like uh public exposure, like, you're, <sighs> like you're masturbating in the public. Well, what else would like you say if you
1: were somebody who, you know, thinks, thinks out loud, like what Sam Harris says, you know, he's doing like, what does yeah, this, I know. there needs it,
0: to be uh there needs to be another word for that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think think is fine because I think there's no other there's really no yeah. other word that works that yeah. encapsulates what you're trying to do. I think of it like my m- my perception of what I do is kind of tinker, you know like and like <laughs> you're <laughs> but, not but, a
0: thinker, you're a tinker, yeah, you're a public yeah. tinker, but uh-huh. you know
1: like but you know pull apart specific aspects of it and then just examine them as if it we almost in a way that a scientist would um yeah so i don't i don't see it as the the broad kind of jordan peterson uh, you know in one essay or in one video essay really because they're all, they're all video essays, but in one lecture he will pull pull together you're right all kinds of different um fields and synthesize them in a unique way mm-hmm. one might say wrong way but it's
0: <laughs> but he's committed to it but it's committed I mean, to he, it
1: it's a, it's a powerful yeah. perspective for sure um and 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 he will tell a good story too. He, you know, if, yeah, if and he's a-
0: applying it to contemporary issues and problems.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, that's what's so interesting. But do you think that um, women are there fewer women intellectuals, and or are we just sort of um, less willing to? throw down or commit to our ideas I mean, because i see myself as a the, suggester i mean there's like, no a,
1: th- yeah. where, where are the intellectuals period you know what i mean i mean it might be the case that like this question posed 30 years ago would reveal sex differences i think um but this question posed today is just almost nonsensical because who is an intellectual other than you know like there's like three intellectuals out there people who i think are really doing what you're claiming that an intellectual does and also fearless about it right like also also not just regurgitating what you know the 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 culture collectively thinks about things anyway and just and just being more eloquent in their in you know, in their summary okay.
0: you know who is an intellectual according to my highest standards okay and is also offering it up and committing to it camille paglia
1: the uh, yeah but one right i mean like right now i'm (laughs) just thinking like she's an uh, example i mean yeah i agree i agree with you i agree with you but i feel like there's it's it's a it's a tiny handful of people which is outrageous given that that we you know this this is a, a a point in time in which more people have uh access to this broad knowledge base that you you might think is a requirement to be an intellectual to be educated on like all these different things and we have access to this kind of information, we should be able to produce more intellectuals. We do not. And I think that the missing ingredients is um, courage.
0: I think the missing ingredients, well, actually I might say the missing ingredients is actual, uh, well, okay. If you are a genuine intellectual, the missing ingredient is courage. That's true. However, we have these thought leaders, right? <laughs> what we have in the creator space are not intellectuals, but thought leaders. And they have plenty of courage, but very limited baseline knowledge about anything. So they have the sort of the trappings of the intellectual, they can of the public intellectual. They can pontificate. And they have some like very specific kind of idea that they're selling. And it really does feel like selling. I wonder if Kendi... Is he even a thought leader? Would you even give him that? I wouldn't give him, I mean,
1: I don't think he's a good, he's not good at thinking like on any level. Like I just don't, I don't, I've read his book or tried to anyway, like, and it was not convincing and it was not well written. And I just didn't understand why I was, why this, you know, like I couldn't get through it because I'm thinking the whole time, how, how is this, how is this man uh, as prominent as he is? who has given him this platform? Like, how did he end up here? that's what I end up thinking about when I read his his books and not him or his ideas because they're just right. not, well, there's nothing there.
0: Why do you, I mean, why do we think it is? He's very convenient. He looks the part. He has the right kind of name. He's obviously very ambitious. He's very strategic. He got himself in the right places. I mean, we saw that with Roxane Gay. Same thing.
1: Yeah. It, uh,
0: it,
1: it, I mean, it almost feels like these are the people who a certain class of people want us to think of as intellectuals, you know, like they're, they've kind of been selected for us as intellectuals, but it feels like a kind of a, you know, there's an element of like, this is an imposter. This is not a real intellectual. Um, Mm -hmm. It's interesting because Kendi has hinted at, at, feeling a kind of imposter syndrome here and there um i can't recall exactly where but i remember reading something from him which was really like it was human and it was um touching but part of me was thinking well buddy you know you feel that way because
0: you are because you you know so there is that makes it extra brave that he admitted it because uh, if if he is uh, if because it happens to be true i i yeah. do think that he is
1: he, i don't think he's a grifter I wouldn't say that he's never given me that that feeling. Well, he doesn't
0: I, need to be because he's being paid by the New Yorker and the uh, the MacArthur. I, I Foundation. mean, well, he
1: is he is making a lot of money, no doubt. Um, but I I think he genuinely believes in the things that he says, and he's not taking advantage of a situation. That's that's right. maybe maybe that's the way I should okay. phrase it. I don't okay. think he's taking advantage, um, like callously taking advantage of a moment um, to to you know. Uh, get this get his shot um i think he genuinely believes what he believes he always comes across as genuine in everything that i've seen of him um for whatever that means for however far you know we can take that um having said that he doesn't belong there so why is he there and who does belong there <laughs> you know i agree with you palya belongs there um jordan peterson i think might belong there. I mean,
0: Thomas Sewell belongs there and nobody's allowed to talk about it, him. Is he
1: not dead? I don't even, I will keep forgetting no, whether he's, he's not dead.
0: Dead? I don't believe so. We can, maybe we could have him on. Oh my gosh. Quite, no, he, he, um,
1: Stephen Pinker, I think is an intellectual. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: it's funny because they, okay. So all these folks get tarred as conservative or, um, somehow, uh, uh, you know, on the bad side, so I wonder if actually <laughs> so the true intellectuals have actually been uh cast out because the dominant force in the culture is this kind of um very lightweight socially progressive uh, the, the culture is just too, force
1: the culture's too uniform like there's too uh, th- there's always been pressures for intellectuals to bow to you know one faction or to another um but the difference i think between 30 years ago or 40 years ago and now is that there's just a a cohesiveness in what a certain class of people believes like there's no you know there's no variation (laughs) between what are you know uh between with somebody in you know who who works at yale thinks versus what somebody who works at you know like you pick a university in the united states and you are going to find people who think alike and that should be shocking that should be unexpected and that should be an indicator that something's wrong pick a newspaper a national newspaper that you know and and you will find just a wide widespread uniformity in In political um, commitments among the journalists and sometimes even the op-ed writers, that should be alarming. (laughs) Sometimes, yeah, often. I mean, that should be with the with the exception of what the Wall Street Journal, right? And (laughs) that's it. But uh, this should be alarming that there there's a our class of thinkers are just thinking alike. And so, if you are a true intellectual, you you come into this space, you feel immense pressure. Uh, not from competing different camps, so you kind of have the space in between um, to play around, but just an immense amount of pressure from one camp to behave in one way, and you either do as you're told, or you're kicked off and into you know the the dark web, <laughs> the intellectual Substack whatever land. Substack land, yeah, into yeah. to be a nobody essentially. Um, I think very few people can walk the line as well as somebody like Steven Pinker has been able to walk. Um, you know, he is still welcome in a lot of intellectual spaces, even though, I mean, he is tarred as a Nazi as well, but he has intellectual hair in a big way. (laughs) I think he, he he built his, he built his, like much of the esteem that he has. He built it at a time where it was not as unpopular to, to think independently. And he is still able to like rest on that a little bit. Um,
0: yeah. And and... he hasn't been me too.
1: And he hasn't been metued. That's the other thing. A lot yeah.
0: of them have been. Yes. That's the thing. Yeah. So, uh, wow. Yeah. I don't
1: think we're going to see a lot of intellectuals. You know, I just, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of MacArthur genius grants given to people who can't write, you know, like can't, can't put together an essay with a coherent idea that is actually moving or interesting.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's just, that's, that's what we're facing.
0: I'm going to start calling it the McCarthy genius grant mccarthyist
1: very very clever megan i can see how you're uh
0: thanks you're the the witty one here i'm the uh i'm kind of like an intellectual stand-up yeah
1: Do do you know that that's why that's why someone suggested you like way back when i was looking at you know maybe doing a podcast or whatever and i like tweeted about it like maybe Maybe I, I said you something like you were looking
0: at different candidates. Yeah, I, I was looking at a, I a was looking at no. That, I, you
1: I, could I, I was choose from. I was saying I could never do an interview podcast because I would just be a terrible host. I would just like run away. I I, I would just move the conversation wherever I wanted to take it. I wouldn't be respectful to them. So I said something <laughs> like got, that. You fit right in. I, I, <laughs> I said something like that, and then I. I responded to somebody and I said I could think of myself being like a on a podcast with a partner and we're just chatting, and somebody responded, "Well, you're kind of heavy, like <laughs> you're a little like I'm a little oh I'm, a, I'm a little if bit of a downer." Said that to me, somebody I'd be said, "Like,
0: are you saying I'm fat?" That's yeah. There, like that. the, the, the meaning I
1: think the, the, they were they were saying something about how I was um, too much of a downer and I needed somebody <laughs> to like liven things up and be funny. Uh, and so they were, I think that's, that's when somebody tagged you and I was like, Hey, that would work.
0: Oh <laughs> yeah. That one. It, unless, unless, we, unless, uh, we have to have our pictures taken. Oh God. That was a problem.
1: So yeah, yeah, we got our pictures taken.
0: Oh man. See, this no one's is seen why them, you I sh- think. Oh, should never have, um, two. I wonder, has it ever been possible for two women to be photographed in the same photo in a photo shoot and agree on the best, the photo? best
1: one. I mean, I think that isn't it normally the case that they when they do professional photo shoots they have like they take pictures of people separately and then they pick the best one and then they like photoshop them no
0: Uh, they don't do that well well, what if it's like they do that, like
1: like a cover story of vanity fair or whatever they'll have like 10 funniest women those women were not in the same room together And they have
0: like their of course sarah are you thinking (laughs) there's like been
1: they've been photoshopped i i think i think they do do that they do do that not always not all the time but they do do that
0: but like you're saying that actresses on a if there's like a television show with two star actress stars or like a movie and they're taking like a, promos. You think that like Tina Fey and and Amy Poehler don't get photographed? Together? Sometimes
1: sometimes they do. I'm saying some of those photos are definitely they're not they're not in the same room. It's just the two best photos of the okay. Two of well, them. The, next the problem is
0: other. so okay. So I don't think we actually stressed this enough in the beginning. So you and I met in person for the first time last month in New York. Yeah. And I had to come in on stilts. I was literally walking on stilts because I didn't want to disappoint you with my non-tallness.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you were very uh, human-sized. It's very... um, mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it's too bad. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's a little... I I still have, like, trouble accepting it, even after, you know, the whole day that we spent together. It was still like, okay, huh.
0: Yeah. Interesting. So we spent it together. Yeah, it it was very unnatural circumstances. So we were in the studio. And we recorded with Coleman yeah. uh, in the studio. And then we had to have a photo shoot, which the photographer was awesome, very cool, nice guy. However, uh, we hate all the photos.
1: We hate all the photos. I, I hate my hair in it. I feel like it wasn't done right. And uh, yeah, I just... I don't like. See, my, I hate I don't like face. having my. I don't like having my picture taken. I just don't like it. No, I don't it's like terrible. But, I, it. but
0: at least you hate. Okay, but like at least you could look at it and be like, oh, I hate my. First of all, I don't. I thought your hair looked great. You are much more photogenic than I. Am. Oh my
1: god! What are you talking about? No, I have about? a That's very strange crazy. face.
0: no, no, you no I have a very. No, I do. I have a very. I have very weird angles of my face, and so that if shot from certain angles, I can look.
1: You have great you have angles. I don't
0: have angles. No, I have like so. I look like um. I used to think that I looked like the um, the Swiss Miss drawing, like on the on the box of the Swiss Miss uh, Cocoa Mix. Uh, I don't know why she has like braids. She was just sort of like height Heidi. (laughs) No, but I just like I have a very weird
1: face. You look like the the blonde woman from uh, Orange Is a New Black
0: you know who i'm talking about I, I should because there's probably only one yeah one she's 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 the
1: the main the main character she gets sent oh, to prison and that's the whole so thing she was like she gets sent to prison and she has all these like you know
0: i used to get escapades. i used to get told that i looked like reese witherspoon
1: you do look like reese. um i could see but that. you
0: know you do but uh mm. i interviewed reese witherspoon once so i got sent i i profiled her for vogue i was really broke and uh I mean, not that I'm not broke now, but I used to be. That used to used pay to so much broke. money. <laughs> I, I was more, I, well, actually, I was less broke because <laughs> I had gigs like this, which I would never get now. But um, I used to do celebrity profiles because uh, they were extremely lucrative, and I got paid to do this cover. I got sent out to Reese Witherspoon's house to do a cover story about her, and it was a very big deal that she was even letting me in her house. Like mm-hmm. this was all negotiated with the press agent and everything, and um it was she was tough to interview she was really not letting me in um in any way and at one point I said something like oh you know people say that we look alike and she just looked at me like "Uh, (laughs) uh, okay (laughs) like it was the most insulting thing anybody had ever said to her so did she
1: just not know how to do her job she's supposed to make people feel good (laughs) Like that's a, the most annoying part of that is that she doesn't know how to fake it. She's an actress. Her,
0: her book club is so woke. The thing is like it, it was a very complimentary piece, but she was still not happy with it. I, the Part of the reason I should, st- I, I cannot do these celebrity profiles anymore is because even that they're, if they're like 95% fawning, the 5% that is not, they get so upset and then they don't like you anymore. Um, I know. I think the same thing happened with Megan Kelly which I wrote a profile of her and I really liked her. I really liked her. We got along great. We're the same age We have the same name.
1: Did you tell her she, that you look, you thought you looked no, like her? But she
0: showed me her. Um, I got to go in her apartment and oh, she nice. showed me her like face cream. Dif- she brought out her different like foundations and skin products that she uses to show me. So oh. We have similar complexion and coloring. So, uh-huh. you know, we're both in the Aryan nation. Uh-huh. So, um, but yeah. Is she a real blonde? No, like, well, I didn't ask her that. Is she? I mean, I she, what She, she what does doesn't that look mean? like she is. What is, like, what if, is real she blonde? Doesn't, you're right.
1: They, everybody everybody does something to their hair. But like, is she actually blonde at all?
0: I'm sure she was blonde as a kid. My definition of real blonde is if you have blonde, blonde as hair kid. as a kid. That's, that's like every other white kid. And if you have blonde hair, like, you know, like my body hair is blonde. But everybody, I,
1: for the that, most part. then it's like most white women are blonde. They can't, that can't be the
0: no because a lot people of people have, are like, blonde dark as kids. no you could have like dark arm hair yeah
1: but what i feel like that's a lot of people have different body hair than the hair on their head yeah and you're saying that the real standard should be the hair on your arm and if the hair on your arm i don't know is, I'm,
0: i don't know what i'm saying but what if I you don't have hair st- on your
1: arm are you actually uh, a well, real baldy like are you <laughs>
0: no are you, then are you're you just bragging um People that they're like, they have their daughters, like their hair lasered off when they're like four or five. So oh my they never God. Have to deal with it. No, I'm I'm kidding. That'll be the next thing. You know, a friend of mine who, um, she was a teenager, like in the 60s, like in the 70s. And she used to talk about how, like having hairy legs was all, all the rage With women, but only if you had light hair on your legs. If you had dark hair, no good. So she said she would dye the hair. (gasps) She would grow her leg hair and (gasps) then dye the leg hair blonde, Uh, so she could fit in. No, (laughs) it was so feminist. That is the that is
1: (laughs) so bad on so many levels. I don't even know what to do with it. I think it worked. Oh my god! It's
0: It's a good tip.
1: Oh, yeah. but she's, she. that's true. That's true. I remember that, I remember when, you know, before everybody was shaving in like middle school and stuff, I felt that the girls with blonde hair, like body hair, would just get away with being hairy in a way that, oh, yeah. you know, women with dark hair just can't get away with it. And it's just, um, it is, it is totally unfair. It's it is tr- totally it unfair. Because there'd be, there'd be girls who, if the sun hit them in just the right way, they would just be like lit up, you know? <laughs>
0: with their hair with their hair yeah but like otherwise you didn't see it so you're like oh they're I not they have I, oh, no I, can, I can go i can go weeks without shaving my legs if nobody notices mm. yeah
1: well that's yeah. uh white privilege so. yet again
0: yeah but now that we're on yet video again. i'm not gonna be able to get away with that oh yeah no. anyway uh well that that this is a weighty topic so yeah i don't know uh, intellectuals. Oh, uh, we met. What else? Oh, we can't get our pictures taken. So yeah. So basically in every picture you either hate your hair or a, I hate my face. I hate my face. One of them I think is so good though. And you still don't like your hair. And so I'm thinking of cropping you out of it. Okay. I like myself in it so okay. much. You, uh, that's okay. You have permission. <laughs> you can, you can take me out of that one. I know, okay. I know which one you're talking about. You can get me uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. What else do we have to discuss?
1: What else is on? Uh, we have lots of things. Because of, so the problem is just that we just missed so much. Like there was so much going on. I had been taking notes like, oh, this is interesting. This is interesting. And now it's all way, like way old, stale. Mm-hmm. And we can't pick it up.
0: Yeah, I know. Which, um, which is really unsatisfying, you know? I know. But we're going to be, um, we're going to tr- try to record more. Yeah. yeah, maybe, maybe. Know what people want? I don't know. What we'll do they? We shouldn't try to give know. them
1: what they want. We should just do what we want to do.
0: No, I know. Um, yeah. I mean, there was a there was an uh, incident with Judy Bloom. Okay, let me ask you this. So, do you know what do you know about Judy Bloom?
1: Author. I read a bunch of books written by her. You read
0: her books, so you read yeah. her books as a kid.
1: Yeah, everybody does, right? I mean,
0: she's still she's know. still like one of the still... she's
1: one of the. She's still one of the authors that everybody reads.
0: Okay. So what do you, d- did you read like, Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret? Um,
1: I don't know. That, <laughs> that was the one about getting her one. period. They all think,
0: have a theme. Yeah. I yeah. think that
1: one I read about, but I don't, I don't know if that's, that, that's the one I
0: actually so read. So that's, there's a movie of that coming out now this oh. week. So, mm. so Judy Bloom has been in the news a lot mm. and she was, Judy Bloom's 85 now. Oof, She looks great. Yeah. She looks great. Mm. Uh, she, so she, she was interviewed, um, in the times of London, uh, just about, uh, about, about the book and about the movie and the, the reporter who just coincidentally enough, I, I have on my podcast next week, not about any of this at all. Um, the, the reporter somehow JK Rowling came up in the interview and Judy Bloom said something like, Oh, everything she's gone through. She's just, it's been so hard for her. I stand by her a hundred percent, but mm-hmm. it was like, in the context of a bunch of other things. And she wasn't making any kind of statement about trans ideology. And of course the headline was Judy bloom says I stand with JK Rowling 100%. And she got pilloried on Twitter and it was a total pile on. And I'm sure Judy bloom had no idea what was going on. And they, she ended up having to, she issued this big retraction. I apologize. My words caused harm, the the boilerplate. And uh, I don't know. I have a couple of thoughts about that. Um, but the main one is that, well, no, actually, let's just discuss this. I mean, this happens, this happens from time to time with these authors. It happened to Margaret Atwood because they don't know what they're saying. Mm-hmm. They're actually not the following truth. it. Yeah. They don't know what's going um, on. Right. Uh, and I'm sure like the movie studio freaked out because this is the last thing they need on the week when a big Hollywood movie is about to come out. So, um, but I'm cur- I'm sure you won't see the movie, but I'm kind of curious because it's really made for like Gen Xers. It's like steeped in this seventies nostalgia. Mm. And apparently it's much more about the mother mm. um, than the book was. Mm. And it looks actually pretty good. No, um, I don't watch yeah.
1: movies anymore. I just find them. So there's so there's too much like there's so like long. propaganda and like, you know, like I just feel like writers are not good at their jobs. And for every good movie, there are just five intolerable ones. And
0: but I, it's always been that means you don't it, have to but watch now. As now many. It's like
1: political. You know what I mean? Now it's like some and, and, and every time there's a person of color in there, I'm just annoyed because they, they have to.
0: I, I think in Are You There, God? Is Me Market. It. I saw the trailer. It looks like she has a best friend who's black, and then the best course. friend who's black
1: is going to mention it.
0: Like she's going to talk about, like at some point, she's going to talk about
1: her racialized experience. And I just cannot.
0: Even though it takes it. place in the seventies, the black friend is going to be like, you know, have you read this book by Roxane Gay? I think you would really be educated about it. <laughs>
1: yeah. No. It just it it just feels very um, forced. You know, it just it's really shoehorned in and. It doesn't feel authentic. It's not how brown people actually talk. Like outside of like this context, outside of woke circles, brown people don't talk about this kind of stuff among each other. I mean, I don't know
0: any. We just talk about normal things, you know. But that's <laughs> because you're you're white adjacent.
1: No, I think that norm like brown people who are not woke and not plugged in, which is the majority of brown people, they don't talk about any of this stuff. Like they don't talk about racism. It's not really something that comes up. No, um, it, it can it's infrequent. You just sort of roll your eyes at it, but you don't have a whole you know, conversation the way we do in the culture and the way we do in this podcast. Actually, I talk about race with you <laughs> more with you than I do with anybody else in my life.
0: Well, I have to be, I have to be
1: educated. So but it just feels like, you know, an exercise to force myself to think about something that I otherwise don't really think about and is not really relevant to my life except in the ways in which popular culture has decided
0: that it that it is and, you know, must be discussed. Do you think more about sex and gender than about race? Oh, definitely. In your life? Yeah, because that's because like it's affecting. Yeah, you. that's I mean, well, that's it's it's
1: self-evident, you know what I mean? And it's um, it's real in a way that a lot of these racial conversations are kind of based on uh, bad facts, <laughs>
0: bad statistics, you know, um, uh, well the gender stuff is uh, some of it's not real too some of it mean, the, real but a lot of it is I, that, I think more yeah. of it is real than we discuss mm. like
1: there's mm-hmm. I, I feel like i mean people say that with with race we need to have a conversation about race i feel like we talk about race too much and we don't talk about gender and sex enough in a in a realistic way um
0: yeah Yes, actually, and I think in coming weeks I want to talk more about that because it seems like there's this emerging conversation with young younger millennials about sex roles and biological differences and family structure. Really? Louise Perry is talking a lot about this. Mary Harrington mm-hmm. has been making the rounds uh, talking about this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's super interesting. Um, um, what do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean emerging? Well, just the I, just just being able to ask this question. Like, was was the women's movement really? ultimately the best thing because there's, you know, there's, it it was just unquestioned for, for several generations, for several Mm -hmm. decades. And now you have intellectual, educated, you know, ostensibly liberal minded women saying, Hey, wait a second. Now that I am starting to have kids, I'm seeing how this all doesn't work. Like we were kind of sold this this yeah. bill of goods. Yeah. I hate to use that phrase, but, uh, and, and I think that we're starting to be allowed to, un, to unpack that. I mean, it has been talked about in the past, but it's always been in sort of the realm of the conservatives, the, 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 the real trads, like they would be talking about it at like the women's, you know, the, the Republican women's club or something like that, but mm-hmm. it wasn't sort of po- discussed in polite, mm-hmm. polite college educated company. Yeah. 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 I, I think
1: it might just be the, the fact that there, that fight has been, you know, one to like, and that there's been some distance. Um, I think that gives that distance gives us space to be like, okay, so now that we're less afraid that we're going to be. You right. Know, um,
0: although, but wait a second, if you have to, if girls have to report their, uh, periods, to the uh to the school, then that the state is going to use that to prevent them from getting abortions, don't you know?
1: Yeah. It's very dangerous I mean, to talk about these things. Yeah, I, I I do think abortion is one of those it, it, it's one of those topics in which we really need to like we really need to have a conversation. Um and it kind of feels like the same conversation that we had in the 60 hasn't changed that much. But in mm-hmm. every other aspect, I feel that Young women have are living in a society in which, you know, which which their mothers dreamed of, you know, like this is what they wanted for their daughters and we got it. And then it's sort of like, okay, was this really worth achieving or um, I think more more truthfully, like it's a more complicated picture in that there's a lot that was worthwhile and it's good that we have it. but. It is less of a, uh, you know, a perfect world even here. And there were trade-offs um, that I think people don't think about until now, until you've lost something. And then yeah, you, they didn't and then
0: anticipate think. social media. They didn't anticipate online porn. There's yeah. a million things that they were not thinking about in the seventies, like sex positivity. They weren't imagining Pornhub.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like feminism has kind of failed in tackling you know, porn and the, the challenges that it brings to, you know, sex and to, to, I mean, they focus a lot on trafficked women, which is important. And it's, it's something we need to talk about, but that's, that's one, that's one element of the conversation. There's something else that it does to you as well. But I think that that challenges the sex positivity element, um, in a way that many mainstream feminists are very uncomfortable with.
0: Yeah except for the snoob
1: breed. Yeah. The snoob breed is kind of like anti-sex positivity. I know. Yeah. Like Louise Perry, I feel like is kind of anti-sex Oh, I know.
0: Positivity. We're going to hear, we're going to hear a lot more about this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this came up a lot during my, uh, I had my unspeakeasy retreat last week in, uh, Washington. Mm-hmm. There were 17 of us and, uh, a lot of these issues came up, and the the, the range of it was it was a from thirty one to almost eighty. That was the age range, yeah. and it was fascinating. Actually, a lot of this stuff yeah. came up. So, yeah. Well, uh, oh, Judy Bloom. Oh, this is what I want to say, and then and then maybe we can start to wrap up because this is really important. <laughs> I, and I don't know what you think about this. I think that Judy Bloom. Is the precursor to women's magazines, where everything is problematized about the body and about the female experience. I know everybody loves Judy Bloom. I know that it was very exciting when a book came out. i was I reserved super fudge at the school library just like everybody else. couldn't wait for it to come out. But I feel like there was just this absolute fixation on on the difficulty of the body. And it encouraged a kind of a kind of focus on this to the exclusion of everything else. Hmm. Um, and it almost it to me, it's like, oh, are you there, God it's me, Margaret? I know there was other stuff going on in the story. I know there was a family story, I know they, they moved and everything and that you know, they moved to Long Island, which is from New York City, which admittedly is is a is a trauma. But uh I it just the the absolute being absolutely undone by something like getting your period. I think it kind of sets the stage for like being so focused on, on what's wrong with you or what should be wrong with you or what feels wrong. And then it just, you know, you sort of move in from that to like 17 Magazine and then Women's Magazines, which is all about problematizing yourself and then selling you the solutions. Mm -hmm. I, I, I find that I, I was never as big a Judy Bloom fan as I was of I think, certain, there were other YA authors that I, that I liked more. And I just, I find the absolute lionization of Judy Bloom a little curious. I don't remember a time
1: in which there wasn't a 17 magazine. Like, no, I know. Like, you know, so that's like, it's like, you're talking about like a, a world. Oh, I'm not, that's yeah. Like I'm fantastical in past. To me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean. I, but like. But so when you but when you read Judy Bloom Books, were you like, "Oh, I guess I should be really upset about this thing that's happening?"
1: I don't know. Um, I think it was just an entertaining story i don't I don't know if how much I related to it necessarily, but I, I'm sure there were girls who did, but I didn't hmm. I feel like they would. It was almost like
0: a substitute for sex education. It was. Yeah. I, I felt yeah. like they were treated like a sex, like a yeah. health class manual.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They were. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if I. I mean, I didn't get proper sex education anywhere. I didn't get it from school. I didn't get it. I, to the extent that I knew anything, I got it from the internet. Great. <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> terrible. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, what did that entail? Um, I don't know. I think it was like. I was just like googling what it feels like to lose your virginity and that kind of thing and like you know does using does if you use a tampon have you like are you are you no longer a virgin because like I couldn't ask my mom these kinds of things because she's a religious woman and she didn't want me using tampons anyway because she thought like she, she thought that it did like her answer was
0: yes you won't be a virgin anymore. Um, so you can't use those. What if you really love the tampon? What, what if, if you're in love? Yeah. What if you're really committed to the tampon? Spe- special feelings.
1: Yeah. For till, you know, the end of the yeah, hour. I, then I yeah, think okay. that's okay.
0: I think that's okay. Yeah.
1: All right. So this has gone on for a while. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice place to end it. Uh yeah. Well, it's good to see you.
0: It's good to be back. Yeah. Let's uh let's keep this going. I think this could work out. This could work. Um, and are we going to do bonus?
1: I guess so. I guess we have to. We've committed to it.
0: Yeah, we'll do. A little, we'll do a little bonus. We'll do a little but... bonus. Okay. All right. Oh, and and should it... we? Should we ask people about our advice segment to um, write in questions so we can give advice? Yeah, let's do it. Or do you not want to? I think. Okay. Why don't we just? Why don't we just do it? And then,
1: you know, if we need to cut it out, we cut it out.
0: Okay. Okay, so we're going to introduce a new segment and it's going to be an advice segment.
1: Yeah, and you know, um, didn't Blockton Report
0: do a segment like this and it turned out it was like not good or not, oh, like, it sucked or No, something. I think they did a dating. <laughs> I think the set, we don't have a clever name for it, but I think so. somebody's going to write in with life advice and Sarah is going to say what she thinks she would advise. She's going to tell the person what to do and then I'm going to tell the person what to do. So they have two different... Uh, two I, I, different under under
1: informed opinions you know yes. like you have you you can pick yeah whose um you know unsubstantiated thoughts you might want to
0: allow mm-hmm. into your life yeah so good I mean personal is good I kind of I like relationship dating advice
1: I don't want that personals because kind of it's too like love oriented, and this is like this, this could be about anything. You
0: don't have anything to say about that, is what you are saying. Out, I, don't, out have, of your I don't have
1: any. I don't have a lot of opinions on love. Do you like dating? Ugh, except just like
0: yeah. Well, you, look, you, you I do? mean, I are did, you like I didn't some get, expert dater? Like, would no, you? No, but I didn't. It, like, I was. I mean, look, I I got married when I was thirty nine. I was since single for a long time. I've had you know, but yeah, but then I like,
1: I, I always feel like who. What makes one an expert on dating? Like, is it success? Like, is it, or is somebody it just like you've been dating dated. for a long time? Well,
0: no, you don't want to take advice from that person. Yeah. Uh, you
1: also don't want to take advice from somebody who's like has no experience because they got married young and now
0: they don't like it. <laughs> well, that's exactly that's, why they should ask you. I think this is uh, I, I, yeah, don't date. I mean, this is a sort of the do as we say, not as we do. Oh, great. Oh, that's what we should advice. call it. That's what we should call our advice column. Do as we say. As and yeah. Yeah. And not as, we not do. as we do or did or ever will do. Yeah. Good. Okay. So write in with that, leave it in the comments of the Substack. Yeah. And so to subscribe, uh, again, special place, uh, a special
1: place dot And you can subscribe there and you can get access to our comment community and you can also, uh, yeah, tell us about your problems and we'll, um, we'll solve them. And they should subscribe to the YouTube channel. They should subscribe to you at the YouTube channel. We have a YouTube channel and some of us are probably watching us right now. Um
0: and <laughs> if like, you subscribe to the YouTube channel coming back yeah. here. They're thinking like I'm, I'm clicking over to Jordan Please. Peterson video right now.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. His but his production value isn't like fantastic. Well maybe he does. No, his daughters. Really? His daughters. I mean, his daughter's.
0: Soundstage. Oh, he does? Looks like it. Maybe my
1: information is very dated because I remember back in the day, he used to just have like a webcam and it was just like
0: right here. Oh,
1: that. And he was just like weeping in front of it.
0: Well, that's that's going to be you soon. <laughs> okay. When I get done with you. All right. You're going to be weeping. Okay. Uh, Looking forward to it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, subscribe to the YouTube, whatever that means. Yes. <laughs> and and we also have a website. And we have a website. So you can,
1: you can go to the website and um find out all kinds of information on there i mean i don't think there's much on there at the moment but
0: there will be yeah yeah new copy coming soon it's very funny that's very witty yeah sarah wrote some really witty copy yeah 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 Yeah. collaborated (laughs) okay um all right well we'll see you guys soon take care okay bye hi it's megan from a special place in hell if you enjoy the show and want to support it, there are a couple of ways you can do that. The first is to join our Substack at specialplace.substack.com. There you can get access to bonus content every week. You can participate in listener comment threads, and you can even join us for Zoom hangouts, where we get together and talk about the show and answer all of your questions. You can also rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts, including on our new YouTube channel, which is called A Special Place in Hell. Sarah and I are really excited about the future of the podcast, and we're so grateful to have you along with us. So thanks for listening, and we will see you in hell.